you're listening to the Southern U Podcast, brought to you by Darton Archery on the OKS Podcast Network, with your host Taylor McMurtry, Jeremy Ferguson, and Matt Brock. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Southern U Podcast, where we attempt to educate landowners on all things habitat and land related uh joined as always with mr jeremy ferguson tutland slash uh wildlife consulting services jeremy you having fun at nwtf man i'm having a blast yeah i'm tired already oh, i am too mm-hmm. but sure but having a good time and uh of course the ale deer legend my man there he Matt is. brock it's the guy right there just it, embrace it, it just embrace no, it. no y'all are gonna the, stop it the people love the legend no they don't long live the legend that's actually what they said i don't like it Y'all we voted on it I, there's I don't hundreds care of what. people on al deer that are just there yeah to interact with you no they're that's, not that's right no they're not <laughs> <laughs> tell us we're wrong guys and then uh obviously the the guest of uh, the hour here we have mr bobby cole of mossy oak and game keepers so bobby thank you so much for hanging out with us and yeah. taking some time we're yeah. actually uh in the room this i guess what is this the studio that you guys have reserved here at uh the ryman yeah, well, it's just a room i think it's they room. named it a studio that's it's true a room. <laughs> uh well uh the main thing is that it is much quieter here yes. than out on the out on the exhibition floor and uh even where we were at for the last couple shows uh, we had like techno music mm-hmm. play, you know, blasting in the background. So, uh, kids cartwheeling down the hall. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah, uh, had all kinds of stuff going on. So this should be, as far as audio goes, it should be the best one of <laughs> our time here at, in Nashville. Um, yeah, uh, Bob, if it's okay, I was just gonna kind of get a, a intro um, just for you, and I guess kind of how um, how you got into. Um, kind of this side of things and where you're at in, with Mossy Oak and uh, kind of give our listeners a little little intro. Yeah, so uh, look, I grew up in Montgomery. So I'm, I'm from Alabama uh, and they've hunted all around Alabama for all my life. And then I met Toxie at a turkey calling contest. And um, I guess in the late, the late 80s, and um, we hit it off and became friends. And uh, just when the right time uh, – the uh, things with Mossy Oak, uh, he was wanting to start kind of a video slash TV department, and so I moved over from Montgomery and and helped with that. I went into the marketing department. Sure. And uh, so I've I've been there ever since. We've done a lot of things, but um, I found Mossy Oak and West Point a place I really I believe in the product. Uh, sure. And uh, I have a lot of trust and respect for Toxie and. And so I've just I've just kind of that's West Point's home now. That's awesome. So it's been mainly turkey hunting is what kind of what got it all started. I'm, I'm for guessing. me, yeah. I mean, I've I've been crazy about turkeys for a long time. Yeah, and, uh, absolutely. But uh, but yeah, and that's you know being here. I've gosh, except for COVID, I've been to, to this show. I don't know over thirty years in a row. Wow, for, mm. that's awesome. But uh, you know it's. When you love something, I don't know if it's all necessarily good because other friends that have gone into other careers, I think they, <laughs> life's a little easier for them. But, hey. you know, they get their weekends. and uh. That's true. We, we talked about that earlier. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if you really enjoy doing things in the outdoors that have seasons, you know, that, that have an opening and an end to them, you 
you're probably better off doing something that allows you to actually do those things during that season uh, instead of, mm-hmm. you know, uh, making that a career because then you don't ever get to go or get, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So, so I got to ask, what, what? and I noticed it with, with uh, Matt over here first, but so you get these goatees without a mustache. What is that called? Uh, it, what, that's it, called not being a real man. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I don't like a mustache. Yeah, I don't, and I I have a hard time growing one anyway. I could try there to grow one, but it's not, it's not going to be there. So yeah. like, well, I just I didn't know if it was like a thing. <laughs> well, you know, people, uh, these look people. Uh, I've got mine's kind of twofold. One, it is a creeper stash. If I, I mean, what, it does like Matt yeah. said, mine won't grow, and when it does grow, it's not good. Uh, the other thing is my wife hates a yeah, mustache. My so wife. it's like you know, hey, look, if you still want to get some sugar every now and then, mm-hmm. then you better get rid of the mustache. Like, yeah. Well, that's a pretty easy decision. Yeah. You know? <laughs> no, no mustache in this family. Yet. Okay. Well, I didn't know if it was code for something. No, I just there's no code. And, and I'm not crazy Careful. about having facial hair, but I hate shaving. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know if y'all have seen, you know, seen Joe Dirt. It's like, oh, man, that's a crazy – your facial hair you've got there, you sh- you know, shave it like that. No, like it just grows that way. Like, oh wow! So you're you're that white trash enough that it just grows like that. You don't have to shave. It. Like, yep, that's right. Pretty much. <laughs> that's funny. Um, yeah, and like we said on uh, previous episodes, the way that our the flow of our stuff typically goes is we ask each other or we ask our guests five questions, and once we roll through those five sometimes more uh, questions, and that's pretty much the end of it. We keep things uh, relatively short and sweet, but um, that's kind of how it's gone so far. So um, the first one, or I guess really technically the second question here um, for, uh, for Mr. Bobby, Mossy Oak started in Mississippi, obviously, I think it's 1986. Is that correct? That's right, yeah. Yeah, 86 uh, as a camo company to start with. Is that? That's right. To- Toxie is, has uh, gr- is a big – Big turkey hunter, mm-hmm. and his father was a member of a club in southwest Alabama that st- always had turkeys. Mm-hmm. When other parts of the south didn't have turkeys, mm-hmm. Choctaw Bluff had turkeys. So he oh, grew yeah. up getting mm-hmm. to go down there and turkey hunt that as a young child. Mm-hmm. And he said at the time, he's told the story so many times, but they would have little wooden uh, like stick blinds built all over the property so if the turkey was over here they'd go to this blind if the turkey was over there they'd go to this blind and everything was just running from one blind to the uh, next and he would say dad why can't we sit out why can't we just lean against this tree right here and he'd be like son they'll see you we got to get in these blinds <laughs> and so it's it's kind of you know as simple as this sounds he said as from a young child he dreamed of being invisible mm. or Having mm-hmm. something cool. on, wearing something that would let him lean against a tree, so he could just go walk straight to the turkey and sit down. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how it all started. Wow! That's really and there's cool. a tree down there on that property um, called the Mossy Oak, mm-hmm. and it was like a landmark there. And and club members used it like, well, you you go to the Mossy Oak and turn right. Mm-hmm. Or, or what? Oh, and yeah. so that, and, and he always loved that name. And See, I've never of, heard that history before. No, that's awesome. Yeah. That's I'm so supposed cool. to go next week and actually get to see the that Choctaw Bluff camp. There's a there's a guy down there we're going to interview, mm-hmm. 
and uh, it, the the mossy oak tree is just a stump now. Lightning struck it. Oh wow! But when it did, the the owners of the camp were kind enough to save a bunch of the wood and gave it to Toxie, and he's used. We've got turkey calls and knives oh, and all wow. sorts of oh, stuff made out really of that tree. Cool. That's cool. Yeah, that's awesome. And, it, uh, and this is really crazy. He's got part of the stump, and if you stand over the stump and look down on it, it's in the shape of the. The Mossy Oak logo tree. What? I mean, you Are can, you serious? You can kind of visualize it. Oh, wow. it, it really what? is. It's, it's kind of it gives you chill bumps, yeah. but it's, it's, that's the story. Wow. That's pretty cool. That is awesome. Well, yeah, I mean, so love the history. It started as a camo company, and obviously it has evolved into much more than that. And I, I was just going to see if you would maybe just take us through what what that journey looked like and, and what – things had to fall into place or what things took place in order for, for that to happen and kind of be where you guys are now. Well, so I, I, I would give Toxie all the credit, but early on, he I think he realized, knew that for it to grow and be, be to, and to be substantial and sustainable, mm -hmm. it had to have a, a, a other aspects to it. Hmm. And so along the way, we, we you know, we started a seed company, Biologic, uh, the, 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 he, he, he's always kind of <clears throat> quickly pointed out that unless you have critters or unless you have land, mm. all the, you're not going to get to hunt it, mm. you know, so it's one it kind of, it needs the other. Mm -hmm. So encouraging people to have their own property or, or having the desire to have their own property and then manage that property and being able to plant trees. We've got a nursery and be able to mm -hmm. manage the property, plant different things. So all that is kind of interrelated, if you will, to ultimately that same, if that guy's doing all this, he's going to need camo. And it seems like a long way to get back around to sell some camo. Right. <laughs> but the, but the, you know, that's kind of the circle of it. Sure. And, uh, and all those other businesses all support each other. So. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, the you know, gamekeepers thing is, is really cool. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. Know, I, as a matter of fact, the last, the last one that I watched was actually you guys. Uh, doing some data collection on, on black bears in, in Alabama. In Alabama, yeah. Yeah, and just, you know, to think. How about that girl climbing in that den and the, poking that bear with a stick? Yeah, <laughs> and snatching those cubs out and taking data and measurements, and then, yeah, yeah. wow. Yeah, that young lady, her name was Hannah. I can't remember her last name, but I, I was so impressed with her. Yes. Her fearlessness. Mm -hmm. And she had caught a couple of hundred bears in North Alabama. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And, I mean, laid her hands on them, tied them weighed them people don't realize how many bears are up there yeah oh yeah they've been having they've been having cubs in north alabama for a, a long time mm -hmm. now and, and southwest years. alabama too yeah and there's a so it seems like the the bears in southwest alabama are struggling a little bit more uh than the bears in the northeast mm -hmm. alabama are mm -hmm. but from what we learned but, but that, that was eye-opening for me mm -hmm. and you mentioned gamekeepers and it's kind of like in the it, it's the brand that we use to shine a light on all these different things. That, sure. So w we'd like to say now that a guy can has a reason to be on his property 12 months out of the year and mm -hmm. manage it and look after it and take care of it. And and we call that guy a gamekeeper. Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah, it's, just, it's really neat for uh, to kind of just think through that journey. You know, I remember being a – being a little kid and my dad buying new camo and 
going everybody going man what is that stuff you know mm-hmm. and it's it's, mm-hmm. it's mossy oak and mm-hmm. um and now to see kind of where things are now and um even like the conservation efforts you know and kind of you said the educational portion of mossy oak which is done through gamekeepers it's just it's really really cool stuff um yeah, we're real proud of that positioning, and be, and and very it's it's very authentic to us to try to take care of, to give back and and shine a light on people that are doing good or projects that people are doing, so mm-hmm. that other people will find out about. It. A lot of people didn't know about those the black bear projects in Alabama and what's mm-hmm. going on, and that's just a really good example of one. Yeah, I, I had a uh, a distant friend uh, know for a di- from a distance, and he has some property in. Uh, or he doesn't own it, but he leases some property in Mentone, you know, extreme uh, northeast Alabama. And um, he was, you know, it's a, it's a bow-only lease, which is like a unicorn for me. I love, you know, I love archery. So I was really interested from the jump and just kind of asked him, you know, okay, well, what, how much land is it? And, you know, what are your harvest restrictions and what are you trying to do with it? And, um he mentioned that there were bears up there and he, he was sending me like videos that he had taken from his tree stand, like, you know, f- you know, filming a, a <laughs> black bear walking underneath him or, or trail camera pictures and stuff like that. And it just, it was kind of wild to think mm-hmm. there's that many, you know, that concentrated in that part of the state that uh, he can get, you know, collared ones that have been collared and ones that haven't. And uh, pretty impressive. But <laughs> There's some big bears. Like Little River Canyon kind of area, Little yeah. River Cherokee County, mm-hmm. down in that farm country. We've got some pictures of some really big bears. You know, for us, sure, mm-hmm. they're not the East Coast bears in North Carolina, but they're big bears for us. So there may be one day a season. Well, uh, that's what my I'll, next question was going to be. Sidebar, but do you think that in our lifetimes we'll see a season? I do. I, th- I, do I think in our lifetime we will see a season in zones mm-hmm. for Alabama. Really. I, it, I do. Probably a real limited draw, mm-hmm. I would expect. But I'm yeah. a, a little less optimistic just because I know some people that are in the panhandle of Florida, and they talk about, you know, look, if you don't, if you want to hang a feeder up, you, you'd better put it on an overhanging limb or, brand, mm-hmm. or fabricate something because if you put it on a feeder that has legs, like, forget about it. You yeah. know, they're going to tear it up. And, and they tried, I think, to open up a, a very short window for a season. And oh, a lot of a lot of people yeah. did not like that, yeah. so they sh- the state shut it down the next well, year. I know when I worked for MDWFP in Southeast Mississippi, um, we had several complaints each year of you know people feeding birds or wildlife mm-hmm. in their backyard, and the bears would come tear the feeders mm-hmm. down, and of course we'd have to relocate those bears, mm-hmm. and you can take them fifty to seventy miles away, and they're coming right back. Oh yeah, and, so, and I think that's. I think that's the reason we'll end up mm-hmm. with a season. When you have a problem bear. With human dimensions issues, yeah. you know. Oh, yeah. Human bear conflict. The last resort, somebody's going to kill the bear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a game official or a hunter, why not let a hunter? Mm-hmm. Yeah, people that's, would that's pay for the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm about to say, how hard of a sale do you, I mean, you know, you guys work for the state. How How hard of a sale do you think that would be? You know, I think we're still years away from it. Mm-hmm. But. I think the time is coming where it's going to have to be discussed on a state agency standpoint. Gotcha. Alabamians are so focused on property rights mm-hmm. <laughs> that I think the push will be, you know, we want to protect our property and we're, 
and, and really legally they can now. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a particular instance, and in, in where I grew up, Albertville, uh, one of the, you know a guy shot one of the bears that were moving through. Mm-hmm. It's been a few years ago. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Um, in the Sims but, community and yeah, all that, but, but he, Grove. Yeah. Yep, he he shot the bear. Didn't kill the bear. We we ended up finding it later, and it was it was fine. Um, but you know, there's nothing they could charge him with. He was protecting his livestock. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, uh, I have another uh, friend of ours that has a small piece of property in Woodville, and it's just a funny story. His wife kept saying they had a they had a horse that they kept on like a like a runner leash mm-hmm. you know like from basically one end of their pasture to the other i don't know why they did it that way but <laughs> Odd. It, it is kind of weird um but his wife kept saying i've seen a bear out there chasing the horse around i've seen a bear <laughs> you know he was like hush you know what are you ta- you know you don't know what you're talking about hush and anyway he came home from work one day and the that horse had gotten off you know it basically Fighting for its life, yeah. I guess, and had and uh, the police had helped kind of corral the horse and run it up into someone's fenced-in property and try to get the horse back. But yeah, it was absolutely a it was absolutely a black bear wow. that had gotten after the horse. It's yeah. like I told you, I told, you know, <laughs> you wouldn't listen to me. So the Southern New Podcast is brought to you by Tether. For the last five years and counting. Tethered has pushed the boundaries of what mobile hunting looks like. Thanks to Tethered, gone are the days of having to haul heavy gear into the woods in order to hunt from elevation. Their lineup of tree saddles are lighter and safer than other methods. And saddles are not the only thing that Tethered has made better. Their complete lineup of sticks, packs, and other accessories have streamlined the process of getting to your desired hunting area and doing more of what we all love to do. So if you're ready to ditch the bulky, heavy, and loud hunting methods of the past, check out Tethered's complete list of products and gear at tetherednation.com. That's T-E-T-H-R-D-N-A-T-I-O-N.com. Anyways, it's uh, fun stuff. Um, uh, Next question here, um, kind of switching gears and talking more conservation and kind of habitat-related stuff. Uh, what do you feel like is the biggest challenge facing conservation efforts in the South specifically? I mean, uh, last last night we had a chance to to interview uh, Paul Campbell, and he referenced the state of Ohio. Didn't he say it was like f- of all land in, in Ohio, it's like 5%, 5% was public? Mm-hmm. So the rest, I mean, you know, you've got a major, major uh you know, issue with like it doesn't really matter what state agencies do with bag limits or do with harvest or whatever. It's you know, it's such a small percentage. Mm-hmm. It's hard to to make a big that big of a difference. So uh, I just out of curiosity, uh, I know it's something you guys are doing with uh, gamekeepers. Yeah, well, so that's a this is my opinion. You, sure, you, you asked that, my opinion, absolutely. and when I when you when you think about it. Uh, there's a lot of people thinking long and hard about turkeys mm-hmm. and and i think some of the uh, i think things are heading in the right direction people are way uh, they, they woke up and they realized hey we do have a problem let's see what we can do mm-hmm. to help and alabama made some adjustments mm-hmm. my opinion might need one more little tweak that's just my opinion i like that they moved the i personally like they moved the, the date the the date back so to allow those birds to breed um, and I, I think 
ultimately I think we should end up at three birds. That's just my opinion again. But I, I think the – so I think people are thinking about all that in the right – that's going in a good direction. But I think what worries me the most is we have more deer than I can ever remember. I mean, we just – there's mm-hmm. – and I, it seems like it's harder to get people to shoot does. Absolutely. Oh, gosh, and, yeah. And – and so there could be people listening to this that don't have as many deer. And this isn't a problem everywhere in some mm-hmm. states. But I think for the majority of the South, there's just way too many deer. Mm-hmm. And guys are just – and I'm guilty of it myself. I think I'm gonna li- I'm not going to shoot my does because I don't want to mess up my mm-hmm. – I want them around as mm-hmm. bait for the when the rut starts. And then things just – you get busy doing something else and you never – you don't get all your numbers. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, there just needs to be some kind of revitalization or uh, incentive mm-hmm. or some kind of way that we could get people to shoot more does mm-hmm. and maybe get them out of the way early. I w- and I wish – that there was a way that we could form some kind of meat bank and we could help this. We could, maybe there's a way that you could just take a deer to the processor and just drop it off. Mm-hmm. And somebody and, th- and that processor maybe would agree to process it for less amount of money and some fund helps pay for that. Right. And then that meat goes to mm-hmm. homeless shelters or people that need it. Sure. But if we could build some kind of program around that, an idea like that, I think we might could, help a lot of people that need some protein yeah and probably help ourselves yeah and and i've noticed that in a lot of northwest alabama i've been telling people for years that northwest alabama is having the population boom that the black belt had 30 years ago and now the the black belt has kind of leveled off and the deer population has reached a plateau with what the habitat can support and then hunters have you know made pretty good efforts at trying to control that population but now in northwest alabama we're where they were yeah and it's getting harder and harder for people to accept the fact that we might need to shoot a few more deer. And then I, I, what I hear often is, yeah, I'm going to shoot those, but, you know, I'm, I just I don't want to fool with them. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put it off. Well, you keep putting it off until it's the end of season mm-hmm. and it doesn't get done. And, you know, I, this is – we're talking about opinions. I think that the February extension is leading to an even higher ratio skewed in favor of females. Mm-hmm. because everybody's still wanting to shoot that buck the last 10 days of season. So you've given 10 more days of opportunity to shoot an antler deer. And I know at one processor in Lamar County, the weekend before the close of season, there were six shed bucks brought in in one day. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, we're, I think we're still continuing to over-harvest the buck segment of the population and allowing those does you know, to continue to populate the area. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that the added 10 days are actually making that issue worse, not better. And I think the added 10 days was initially for the, the more, much more southern counties yes. than Lamar mm-hmm. County. Yes. You're speaking of that. Yep. And I think – I'm not sure how Lamar got in that. Well, it it became a statewide <laughs> regulation. Well, and that's <laughs> why, you know, we, you know, we've joked about it on, on here before, but we have zones, yeah. right? There mm-hmm. are different zones, and there are different start dates to the season and end date. You know, but mm-hmm. it's like, but we're going to make a blanket statement that the entire state gets at least 10 days in February. Mm-hmm. And that's, 
I mean, again, I'm no biologist. I'm, I'm a no one, but that makes no sense. Yeah. You know, there, I mean, there was biology involved with that decision, but there was also other factors as well. So. Yeah, and it's yeah. – So the whole what? state gets 10 days now? Other than zone, what is it, D and E? And it goes farther. Yeah, the well, no, no, D and E has got the ones that starts in yeah, November. They, they start oh, yeah, earlier. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, so yeah. The, yeah. the Bankhead. Bankhead population and then, and then the, along the Chattahoochee the River. Chattahoochee. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, my thing is once it's been given, no, it's, it's going to be back. extremely difficult to take it away mm. because it, now it's an expectation that hunters in those regions have. And, Honestly, I don't hear a lot of positivity from the hunters about it. Everybody says we don't need it, we don't want it. The processors say we don't need it, we don't want it. Yet people continue to go. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you know, that, that, if, that's right. Look, if you if you give folks the opportunity, they're gonna take they're it. They're going sure. to take it. I mean, that's just human nature. But you know, mm-hmm. somebody sent us a picture of a guy that was, I think he was talking about going to the advisory board, and mm-hmm. it, you know, people were joking, you know, at us picking, but that he was wanted to talk to the advisory board about how thankful he was for the 10 days. Right. He's in yep. Marshall, Marshall County, Marshall yep, County. with me. Uh, and, and he's right though mm-hmm. for, for us in that, that's right. That area. Mm-hmm. Our deer are extremely you know, ex- late. <laughs> they're bad late. I mm-hmm. mean, if you've got them in January, then you're doing pretty good. Most of them are hitting that last few days of January and those first few days of February. Mm-hmm. But, you move 40, 40 miles in it's any totally, direction, totally different, and it's totally different. Mm-hmm. Yep. We've just got a little pocket right there. So, yep. so I grew up in Montgomery and I hunted around Union Springs, mm-hmm. and the rut was always that last week of January, right? And on it, so I don't never knew what it was like in February because we always had to quit. But uh-huh. you just right. always knew it was going to be it was good. And then I move over to Mississippi, and they extend it. And mm-hmm. so I, I haven't got to go back home and ever hunt those those mm-hmm. ten days. So I was, but you know when it when it occurred and when it was given, um, you know I, I applauded them for doing that because mm-hmm. that part of the world needed that, that, to that, get yes. to uh, enjoy the run. They needed that. Yes, there are definitely areas of the state that need it, and, but and, it's justified. And those zones have helped a yes, lot. They have, um, and they've gotten they've got it about I think where. The number of zones probably needs to be there. There's a few little tweaks here and there, but we've talked a lot mm-hmm. about how hard it is to draw those zones so that mm-hmm. we don't make lawbreakers out of people that don't intend to break the law. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it can be tough, but yeah. uh, but I, I I like the zones where they are now. Mm-hmm. I, I wish some of them would probably change a little bit from the turkey standpoint. Yes, I I agree with you on the pushing back of the season. For most of the state, I, and I, I don't like it for extreme South Alabama. And the only reason why is when, when season opens down there, it's dead gum near summer. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's warm weather, mm-hmm. very warm weather. Mm-hmm. So they're not getting to experience the traditional spring season that they have for all of their lifetime. Yeah, I would I would like to see some breeding data, which I haven't. But uh, you know, I, I'm working with some some really large landowners in southwest alabama and we've got a lot of cameras out and let me tell you birds they are gobbling their heads off right now mm-hmm. and, and they're getting ready it they but, will if it stays you know, warm yes they will be wide open but soon. what is so strange to me is all of the data that has been collected on average um nest initiation average hatching dates 
they don't differ more than a day or two from Huntsville to Mobile. It, it, and, and that's fascinating. It, same thing in Mississippi. Yeah. Mississippi yeah. has found the exact same thing to be true. So although what we're observing as hunters is that, hey, man, these birds, you know, 200, <clears throat> 200 miles south of here, they're gobbling three weeks earlier than North Alabama birds. Mm-hmm. It seems to be that the hens are not initiating any nesting behaviors until the North Alabama birds. So they're nesting at the same time. Isn't that interesting? It is very yeah. interesting. <laughs> Stupid I, birds. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't they just do what we want them to do? Yeah. For real. yeah. And, and, you know, uh, funny, interesting story. Um, so the part of Mississippi is right on the Alabama line. So mm-hmm. I remember, you know, but Clay County, Mississippi didn't have any turkeys. And Toxie's father was a, had grown up down the, hunting those birds we were talking mm-hmm. about earlier and was trying to get the state of Mississippi to bring some birds. And they, and they told him if you can get, I think it was about 10,000 contiguous mm-hmm. acres together, that they would bring X amount of birds and turn them loose. And if he, if he could get all those people to sign something, we won't hunt them for five years. Mm-hmm. And he did that. Mm-hmm. He went, he did everything he was supposed to, Mr. Fox, did everything he was supposed to do. And they brought some birds from a, island in the mississippi river called cat well it's called catfish point i know exactly where that's at and <laughs> and um and supposedly that was an old uh they had always been there that mm-hmm. was a part of the state that had turkeys and, and they brought and i could get this wrong but i think it was 11 hens and turned them loose and toxic tells a story that mr fox said now look i'm I'm just a country boy, but I know that these uh, these hens got to have a rooster. <laughs> you know? And this, they turned them loose in, in like February, late February. Yeah. And he said, "Mr. Fox, just trust us. They 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 are they're okay. They they've been bred." Yeah. And he kind of looked at them like I don't know about, about this boy, but the next spring they mm-hmm. started seeing baby turkeys run around right. everywhere yeah. wow and it just and, and it just kind of took off from there mm-hmm. those are two big there's two big hardwood bottoms mm-hmm. the tibby yep and the, uh, the sukatanchi and the hulka and all that mm-hmm. and those turkeys have just spread all the way out up there mm-hmm. but it started off with just hens that's crazy mm-hmm. that is wild mm-hmm. <laughs> but that just uh, kind of sh- uh, that point that they're breeding that's right mm-hmm. uh, they are breeding uh, or, or, or right now probably, yes, probably. they are breeding right yeah. now that is crazy yeah, I don't know. You know the 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 challenges that the state has. You guys are really savvy wildlife guys. I mean, you're a biologist, it, it, and you you research all this stuff, and you know these things. Mm-hmm. But by the time it gets from the biologist community and advising the people that make the decisions, it, it becomes political mm-hmm. along the way. It and does. and they ha- to get what they want, they have to do this yep. and. I, I just don't know how it all gets done, but I, I don't either. I'm uh, <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> I, I'm not a part of that process anymore. It's uh, I, I think there's some. I'm a big fan of Chuck Sites. I, I think he's trying hard, and I think he's he's. I, I tell you what, he's as bad as serious a turkey hunter as you ever oh, run yeah. into. Oh yeah, and so he cares about the turkeys. No, no, for him no, to no question, he it, does. Yeah, for him, for him, for him to be willing to try to, we need to back this down a little bit. Yeah, and I wouldn't want to be in his shoes. I wouldn't want to be in the shoes of any director. Mm-mm. No, it's uh, or chief or. Uh, You've got to somehow take the science, take hunter opinion and desires, which can be drastically different at times, mm-hmm. and and make it work and out. Merge them. Yep, and it it can be difficult. No, oh, yep. 
Well, we always t- make somebody mad. Well, oh yeah, and, and I and, and I, every, the thing that I've heard Chuck say a thousand times, if he said it once, which fifty percent of people you want me to piss off? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, one's for it or one's against it. You know, that's about the way it runs. Fifty percent of the folks are for what you're doing. Fifty percent's against. You know, always in a no win. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And trying to explain some of this stuff to people uh, that that have grown up with it being one way. Right. And, I mean, my whole life growing up, you could shoot a deer a day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was, look, it was, so I, I went to a little school, Trinity. And uh, when, at some point when I was about to graduate, there was a, a young guy came over to Montgomery Academy. His name was Walter Tutt. And I remember hearing hmm. their talk about their family Mm-hmm. Never met him. I wouldn't know him if he walked in here. But I always heard that they had a farm, and I think it was Nanafly. Nanafly, yep. That was, like, unbelievable. You could go in an afternoon and see 100 deer. And I thought, and this was, like, 1983. Mm-hmm. That was unheard of then. And I thought, what in the world? How in the world? So what is that world like now after many, many years of having that many deer? For folks that actively manage, it's pretty good. For folks that have kind of taken the sidelines, you know, too busy to harvest those, too busy to do much work, uh, it has kind of trended downhill a little bit. The the deer, they don't see quite the deer quality that they used to. Uh, you know, they've they've kept those numbers pretty high, overpopulated for the you know for the habitat standpoint, and uh, not just a ton of active management. Uh, other than, you know, some timber operations here and there. But uh, Walter's place is still, you know, good. They're, they're, they actively manage. They do a lot of burning. They do a lot of thinning. Uh, still too many deer. Walter is, uh, you know, I, I work for him, broker with, with Tut. But uh, I tell him all the time he, he is – almost too far gone preservationist <laughs> he, he likes to see his animals uh and he likes people to see them but um he also understands you've got to got to play a very active role in in managing your property or it's not gonna it's not gonna go well long term anyway so back then we literally could kill a buck a day yeah mm-hmm. and the, the season was I, i've never counted it up but i bet it was 90 days at mm-hmm. least mm-hmm. and I mean, that's just kind of just radical to think about that, mm-hmm. about that now. Well, I, I talked to uh, uh, a couple of guys, Cedar Creek Landing Timber down Bruton Way, knew some of the guys that managed ground for them. And uh, a lot of the folks that worked for Cedar Creek, they hunted a big place called Why Not? And uh, a lot of folks didn't want to shoot does. And they had one or two guys, one in particular, that bow hunted every day. And he typically shot the legal limit every day of the year on that place. Gosh. Buck and doe. That's a wonder there's any deer at all. At least does. You know, he, they, they, they managed it fairly well for, for bucks. But, uh, you know, he was out there shooting deer every day. Mm. You think you could find a strawberry bush down there if somebody said your <laughs> life depended on it? Hey, <laughs> I know quite a few places you can find them now, but it's generally on creek banks where they can't be reached. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, but uh, or, hey, you can come find all you want in Marshall County. Yeah, oh, I bet Bankhead's full of them too. Mm-hmm. Bankhead is full of strawberry bush. <laughs> yeah. The Southern U Podcast is brought to you by Darton Archery. For over seventy years, 
Darden Archery has been leading the way in archery innovation. With over 30 patents spanning over 60 years, it's easy to see why many archers and bow hunters have chosen to shoot a dart. Darton's patented dual sync cam system gives the archer one quarter inch draw length adjustments, adjustable holding weight options ranging from 85% to 65%, and the super easy to tune e-system for quick adjustments and perfect aeroflight. For more information or to find an authorized Darton dealer, visit dartonarchery.com. That's D-A-R-T-O-N-A-R-C-H-E-R-Y.com. There it eat them. <laughs> we got a lot of deer. Oh, uh, yeah. We, we've yeah, got, we do. Most places have too many. And, look, I'm a lazy hunter. I don't want to mess with those either. Mm-hmm. But they've got to be shot. Luckily, I got this guy. See, and it, it drives me nuts. Um, we've got a lease with – you know several members and uh, of course my dad and i'm the only one that'll shoot does it i'm and and usually by the middle of season everybody's like well you quit will you quit quit killing does and i'm like if y'all would each kill one or two i wouldn't have to i'm your hug you know i mean for like x amount of does per x amount We're, of acres we, we'd have been killing on about 2200 acres we've been killing 35-ish a year you know we're, we're somewhere between a doe per 50 to 75 acres mm. roughly yeah and and it seems like we're not even putting a dent in them you know and, and look this is all of our viewers this does not apply everywhere okay i understand that you go to some properties and you try to start taking more than one per hundred acres and you're going to do some damage in a hurry yeah um yeah so you know you 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 can't apply that everywhere we've got phenomenal habitat a lot of early successional habitat burning um timber operations going on all the time and our population just continues to grow i don't i don't know what our zones are because i don't hunt in but one of them but what's the coleman blunt marshall oh yeah b uh no that's c well if it's in the valley tennessee valley plus blunt and northern part of coleman that's going to be in zone c okay well you know you shoot a dope or hunter there that's you shoot bad. yourself out of deer. Yeah, you can't do that there. Um, and that that's part of, you know, Jackson County has been one of the, you know, king counties, yeah. so to speak, in Alabama for big bucks and a lot of deer. But there's a big part of Jackson County that's just continuous closed canopy hardwood forest. Mm-hmm. And in those areas, they have, they've overshot that population. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's, you don't see very many deer at all i had 1200 acres up there for years that unfortunately bordered wma uh, which we just had a lot of hunters it's not that they managed it poorly so to speak just a lot of hunters uh, but i i recorded all my hunts for a year because we weren't seeing many deer and i hunted like 180 something hours and saw eight deer mm. wow that's, that's that'd be hard that'd be and, hard and that's you know that's nice property mm-hmm. um we had big cornfields you know had a lot of ag and then mountainside now in springtime totally different story the the number of deer that moved down into the valley from the mountains they just came down in the valleys and, and stayed there they they shifted their home range and we would have on a on a great year man we'd identify 15 20 plus bucks just on our 1200 acres and uh you know acorn drop come around 
we'd have one, maybe two that would stay around mm-hmm. out of all those. Uh, Acorns so shift ranges around considerably. And people don't give don't give enough credit to that. No, they sure and don't. Especially in ag country. They this, sure this don't. Big valleys. It's all about the acorns, yeah. baby. It's all about the acorns, baby. <laughs> that's right. Um, that's all good stuff, guys. Um, I guess we kind of talked about the conservation, I guess, as a, as a whole as a state. Um, but, uh, Bobby, I was going to ask you, what role do you feel like landowners have to play in conservation of wildlife in the south? Like, you know, if, you, if we're talking about – guys who actually own the land or at least have long-term leases of land what do you feel like kind of the the role for those people are to kind of ensure that this doesn't go away anytime soon yeah so I mean, a lot of what we were just talking about is just paying attention to that uh to, to what uh the conservation department is trying to do i mean they uh, we all need to manage our properties in a, in a way that benefits the, let me let me say, the most success that we hear about are when one landowner who adjoins another one, they get on the same page. Absolutely. And then they it might be three or four guys together. That, that's where it just seems to yes. two plus two equals and, way and, more than four. We promote well, why cooperatives. Why can that not happen in Alabama it, consistently? It, because of ego. I'm just going to say it. People <laughs> like, I'm, I don't care what my neighbors do, and I'm going to do what I want to do, and I'm going to kill the deer I want to kill, and I'm not going to have anybody tell me otherwise. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but when you can find common objectives and work toward those together, and you realize – Hey, what I'm doing is benefiting you, Bobby, and what you're doing is benefiting me. Or we can work against each other. Yeah, that's not a good relationship. You know, you you've got to work toward the same goal. And we push cooperatives on this podcast mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. Talk to your neighbors, find out what they're doing, get on the same page. If you can help each other out with tractor work or plant, yeah, yeah. Burn, whatever yeah. the case may be. No, I think so. And uh, the the one caveat to on the deer, everybody's like, man. I don't want to shoot this deer. Let's let this deer have a couple more birthdays. Mm-hmm. But uh, on the places that I've been a part of that have been successful, we've when we've done that and communicated that with another person and shared pictures and they mm-hmm. share back pictures, we usually caveat it by saying that would be a hard one to keep a, a youngster off of. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So w- th- there's this understanding that mm-hmm. – I'm not, I don't think you should shoot this deer. I, I'm, I'm hoping you don't shoot this deer. But you know what? If you're your nine-year-old little boy kills him, I'll be okay with that. Oh, yeah. And and so that kind of relieves a little of mm-hmm. the, I don't know, it just kind of helps everybody get along. Right. That's right. That's right. Everybody right. kind of understands their expectations. Exactly. And <laughs> what, yeah, what's the cutoff age for kids? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I'll say, I'm going to throw out a plug here for gamekeepers, but I, I texted Bobby when I got in the last uh, magazine. And I was like, Bobby, you just – there's so much information in gamekeepers that we've been discussing on our podcast. Like it's just been going right along with what we've been talking about with, mm-hmm. with doe harvest and, you know, getting deer to older age classes. And there was a great article in there about Turkey management. It, I mean, it's, that is a tremendous resource that if you're not a part of gamekeepers, you're not getting that magazine. It's it's good info, and I appreciate you saying that. You know, a lot of people just don't read read they much don't. anymore. They mm-hmm. they want a sixty second or less snippet yep. yeah. that they can watch. Yeah, yep. yeah, and and so the magazine we've been doing it for about twelve years, and it's look after twelve years, four times a year, you kind of run out of you can only talk about lime in so many times. Right, but we've <laughs> really kind of <laughs> kind of 
uh, we, you know, we go down those roads, but then it's it's, it's about managing your properties, about managing ponds, and yeah. we, we talk about for mostly for deer, tuck, uh, ducks, and turkey, but we often get down into rabbits and mm-hmm. some other. It's a really a good publication. Well, and look, what benefits rabbits benefits deer. Yeah, somebody said something to me the other day that if you see and you have rabbits, you probably have pretty good habitat. Absolutely. Right. I've never thought about it yep. quite like that. Yep. yep. So, but yeah, it's like 24 bucks to subscribe. And I, I think it's the best 24 bucks a landowner or a club member, a club, mm-hmm. can, you know, because you, 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 then you can explain something to somebody and say, well, look, no, if you don't yeah. believe me, read. Right. Read I mean, this. get a, get one subscription for the entire club. Just leave it at the clubhouse. Yeah. You know, they're on the table for hey, somebody you, you to read. You need to pitch that to the the state's technical assistance group. They need to provide when somebody signs up a copy subscription. of, game, of gamekeepers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, it'd be about like a promo code. You know, I tell you, uh-huh. I tell you what, it's easier though, guys, for what y'all are doing. I mean, the podcast y'all are doing. People are more interested, I think, now than ever. And taking care of their property. I was telling, I agree. telling Matt earlier, we used to come to shows like this, and people would pull out photographs of a deer they killed. Mm. Look at this deer I killed. Now, it's completely the opposite of that. It's look at this three-year-old I've got. Mm. Look yeah. at this four-year-old. They're yeah. still alive. This, yeah, 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 still alive. And they've got, I've got pictures of them. I hope, of, you know. Mm-hmm. That, that I think that's awesome. Yep. Oh, yeah. Check out it's this very, burn we did. Yeah, it's very yeah. rewarding. Yeah. When they come up to you and say, look at this burn I did, or look at this food plot I planted, or, hey, man, I'm having my timber thin, look what it looks like. Mm-hmm. You know, that that to me is more rewarding than somebody showing me a picture of a 140-inch deer. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it really is. And a lot of times, guys, um, you know, they think, I can't, what, I can't do anything on my little farm, my farm. I – You've been to. I got mm-hmm. a little forty-acre track. Mm-hmm. I don't keep any turkeys in the in the in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. But in the spring, I'll have a hen or two show up. Mm-hmm. But then she's leaving, and she's not. She's not there. There's not a gobbler around. It's, she's just up there to be a quiet area and have a nest. Mm-hmm. So my role in this whole thing, I'm sending baby turkeys to somebody. Right. To somebody. That's right. Yeah. That's exactly but that, right. That's what I'm trying to. I've accepted my role for that price, right. mm-hmm. and so hopefully, maybe one day something good can come back. My, but that's what I can do to help turkeys. That, right? Bobby, you're going to kill a turkey on that place this year. Well, I don't know about this year. I think you will. Wait well, till we burn it. Well, wait till we burn it. They'll be <laughs> oh, gobbling their like heads a off. Vacuum. It'll be <laughs> the ever turkey around there will come straight in. But that, that I've I've never really heard anybody put it just the way you did, but. Mm-hmm. You've accepted your role in the way that things are going to go. If other landowners that were small landowners looked at it that way, mm-hmm. how good things could be. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You may think your 40 acres is not having an impact because, you know, I can't I can't manage deer on my 40 acres. Or, you know, I, my miter might not have a turkey goblin on my 40 acres this spring. But if you can provide a successful nesting opportunity for two hens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Think about that. Uh, Think about what the success rate is on, you know, promoting or recruiting turkeys into the adult population anyway. If you can have a hand in that, and, and 10% of landowners felt that way. Yeah. Me and a client had a conversation with a, a neighbor of his just trying to get a couple folks on board. And uh, he had that same mentality the neighbor did of, you know, I can't do any good with my place. You know, I don't own enough acres. And we went through kind of how what he was doing i said you know you don't necessarily have to feel like you're making a positive impact 
but you don't have to make a negative one. That's right. Because you are making a negative one now, mm-hmm. the way the way it's being handled. Um, and, and I said, reality, you can do some positive things here that can help you. I said, but you're helping him too. But everything he's doing as a big landowner next to you, you know, is helping you. you mm-hmm. You're taking advantage of the work that he's putting in. And, you know, don't know if it's going to go anywhere, but – I sure hope it does because mm-hmm. he's about to get fenced out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and I mean, bad as I hate to say it, I don't think that the average hunter in Alabama understands the importance of larger landowners and their role in conservation because mm-hmm. folks who have money who are actively managing their place, they're benefiting everybody around them, whether we like it or not. Yep. You know, that's just that's the nature of the beast. So when you can help a landowner, who's actively managing beside you rather than being a thorn in their flesh. Yeah. Then, I mean, it just, it helps everybody. I mean, just expand what's being done. That's exactly right. And, and you know, if if you take that mentality, maybe your neighbor on the other side of you will take that mentality mm-hmm. and so on, and it just grow mm-hmm. from there. Well, I think, too, like Bobby said it earlier, but I, I don't know that people know or understand the kind of impact that they can make. Mm-hmm. You know, like he was just like – I feel like I need to have a biology degree to be able to, to manage my, like, no, you don't necessarily, you know, you probably need some guidance, you know, need some advice mm-hmm. on what to do, but like a lot of this stuff you can do, you know, mm-hmm. and, and can make a big difference in. And um, even talking with Paul yesterday about like what impact you can make with through N- NWTF is like, yeah. I was shocked. I mean, I had right. no idea, you know, what, what was, of what was out there and what was available um and what difference one person can make in that mm-hmm. capacity and so uh, yeah so i think if people knew or people realized the impact they could make they probably would do it mm-hmm. um and uh, most of the times like you said like oh gosh i've got 30 acres of family farm can't do anything with that you would be surprised mm-hmm. <laughs> you know you might be the southern new podcast is brought to you by vitalize seed what sets Vitalized Seed Mixes apart from other companies is their ability to keep producing throughout multiple periods of the year. The symbiotic relationships between the different varieties support soil health while being extremely attractive to a variety of wildlife and important pollinators. If you're looking for a product that is going to benefit all of your wildlife and help you put deer and turkey in the freezer, ask your local seed dealer for Vitalized Seed. And for more information, visit VitalizeSeed.com. That's V-I-T-A-L-I-Z-E-S-E-E-D.com. You know, the the little pollinator program that oh, gosh, they yes. have out there, I've been amazed at how much wildlife is attracted to those mm-hmm. native plantings. Just absolutely blown away. <laughs> it, it is mind-blowing. Yeah. I've, I've done the same thing through the CSP program on my place. And, you know, people don't understand when we plant like, monocultures of soybeans or cowpeas or some other you know crop for summer forage and they think well you know it's got a protein content of 25 percent or so there's native plant species that have the same or more protein content Mm -hmm. and you can impact way more acres rather than your five acre food plot with a prescribed fire or a you know a native prairie planting pollinator planting and the diversity of species that come back in those, you know, there, there's something blooming from early spring all the way into fall 
attracting butterflies and moths and wasps and bees and all those things are important to the overall yeah. ecosystem. Yeah. I mean, our health is important. Mm. Uh, it, 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 it it's affected by pollinators. You, you, know, you know, turkey oh, poults. Turkey all poults. All they're eating. They're walking through those pollinator habitats, plucking caterpillars, yep. you know, that's and grasshoppers. Right. Picking in so, birds. Um, but when you said that 30 acres, I mean, that that's something a guy can do on a small place. Absolutely. And, and visually see mm-hmm. yeah. results. Yeah, that's probably a, a big factor is people want instant gratification or at least want something yeah. to show for their efforts. Mm-hmm. And that's probably – a factor in that equation too is mm-hmm. like I want to be able to see that this made a difference. In I, I think that's and Bobby's in the business, but uh, I think that's why so many people just fixate on the food plots. Mm-hmm. It's pretty instant. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I can put seed in the ground, and hey, if it rains in two weeks later, I can see it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, so we firmly believe that having a nutritious food plot. It is imp- is important mm-hmm. absolutely, but absolutely. It, it and it and it can feed a lot of different wildlife rabbits mm-hmm. it, but the thing that we also try to explain to people is don't that's 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 not the place to hunt mm-hmm. every time right. you mm-hmm. know and it's a lot of times these kids are and i'm guilty of it as well but it's easier to go sit in a shooting house over a food plot and then that mm-hmm. young person doesn't get the opportunity to learn about some of the woodsmanship that's skills. Right. That's right. I'm, I'm Matt, guilty. Yeah, I mean, we all are. I mean, walking through the woods with him is just fascinating because he's pointing out this and that. And, and but so I, I would just hope, I would like to encourage people to not just say, well, we're going to plant this three-acre food plot and that's going to be the mm-hmm. hunting spot. Mm-hmm. But if you find trails coming to and from, and that that food plot is there to feed and nourish the deer mm-hmm. herd through those lean winter months, but. And it's a place that you can hunt and, uh, right. and you can have success, but it's not the only place. It. It's a piece yeah. to the puzzle. That's yes. right. Yep. Uh, well, you'll hear in people's the terminology they use, hey, I'm going to put a food plot in or I'm going to mm-hmm. put a kill plot in. Mm-hmm. Those, yeah. those are different things. Yeah, you know, right. uh, If your intentions are I'm trying to harvest stuff off of this, generally it's going to be uh, really small, really tiny, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. But if this is food plot, this is meant to feed what's mm-hmm. here, you know, mm-hmm. and not necessarily – uh, to take animals off of it, but um, and it doesn't, you know, t- t- in today's world, uh, a guy can borrow a tractor from somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, for a little money, you can have somebody come disc it up for you. That's it, right. It, it, there's ways to get things done. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I'm watching. You, you guys probably have an opinion or know more than I do, but we're kind of watching this. Uh, this, and I'm a. I'm blanking on the terminology, but they're using these roller crimpers. Regenerative. Regenerative So so we're trying to watch that because that on the surface makes sense. But I I wonder how how a lot of that's going to work. I can tell you it's pretty – it can be spotty. Uh, Living and working where we work, uh, or I work a lot, in northeast Alabama, it's rocky. So we don't – have the option of putting a disc in the ground. If you do, when you get done, you don't have one left. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, we have a lot of clients, and even as a as a consultant, we go out and we'll take a whirly bird spreader and we're putting seed out, uh, typically in something that's been terminated already. Um, but I've got a flail mower that I'll raise up, make sure I'm not hitting rocks. 
and just clip all that stuff off falls right down and when we get rain we've got you know a food plot it's not the same as the roller crimper but we've done that too i can tell you i didn't keep a roller crimper um you know if i'm going to do any of that i've got a cult packer that does much of the same you know mm -hmm. i get it on the ground and we're running no-till drill through it but um you you remember brian shepherd i'm yeah. sure well yeah brian and i did some of that stuff years ago when i first got out of college and we were working in that uh east georgia part of the world around bill's place and jeff's place and he showed me some of that kind of stuff so it's been toyed around with in the flu food plot game for a long time but it's finally hit mainstream mm -hmm. yeah um i like it i uh, you know as far as no-till drilling and terminating and not trying to use a disc um one it, from a consultant side of things where we're having to run a tractor is its efficiency to mm -hmm. me uh, when i can run a no-till drill and terminate with a herbicide and with the setup i've got i can do it all in one pass generally i don't uh i'll come back and terminate later uh with with roundup ready stuff but uh it's, look, it's look, evolving the idea of making your soil better mm -hmm. is, i mean we all gotta have to be for that yeah and and, and and i can certainly see and understand and turning that soil how it's just got to start all back mm -hmm. over with right. uh, all those bugs inside the so it makes sense but i hope that there's I hope there's something to it and we can figure mm -hmm. out a way that it can make it applicable so that the average guy can do it. Because right. right now, if you go to buy a roller crimper, they're pretty expensive. They, mm -hmm. They're high. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. And, and no-till drills, no different. Oh, and and now some of yeah. the drills coming out are getting better mm -hmm. that, that are, you know, not your mainline ag, uh, ag quality drills. Mm -hmm. uh, I saw one on a client's place, you know, leave the name out of it. But I was impressed with the build. Uh, as compared to some of the other cheaper versions, it was built well, and I've yet to see how well it works and mm -hmm. meters and that type of thing. But uh, I tell you, I, we have in the, the last four or five years fallen more in love with clover than mm. than, than ever. I'm it, a clover it, fan, it, and it, it's just it's got a place in everybody's toolbox for yep. sure. And you know, there's a lot of varieties that are better suited for the south. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you know, the northern guys have kind of been on the clover for a oh, long, yeah. long time. Mm -hmm. But uh, like I'm like right now, as it's in February, I'm, I feel like I need to be kind of spraying to get That's ready. Right. For yes, my, it's, my it's clover. about time. Absolutely, it's about time. <laughs> some of some of these clovers that that are kind of new on the scene huh, are unbelievable. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're 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 going to change how a lot of folks food plot. Yep. It it. it it's. I think it can save a guy some money too, mm -hmm. absolutely, and provide more absolutely. nutrition. Mm -hmm. There's just a way to figure this out. And you know, I, I reference the folks that we work for in Northeast Alabama, where it's rocky. Hundred percent of their fields are clover. Mm -hmm. They're managed clover. Now we make they're go easy in, to establish. Yep, we may go in and clip and put you know cereal grains down in the fall ahead of a big rain, just to get some type of vertical growth. You know, on a cereal grain. But they're managed clover fields. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, there's no sense in fighting the rock. Mm -hmm. you know? So how fast do you – how soon are y'all going to start spraying some kind of grass-specific stuff on your clovers? Next week or start yeah. next, before March. Next yeah, couple probably. weeks. Yeah, I th if you wait much long, if you wait till after turkey season. Oh, too yeah, late. it's too late. Yeah, too late. It, it, yep. it is. So, 
And a lot of guys, I think, think I'll just deal with that after church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's too late. Mm-hmm. If you're not planting clover, Behind you're missing it. Yep. <laughs> it's a, it really is a, mm-hmm. a great product. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. Well, um, we got. I've got one more uh, question left for you, and uh, kind of pivoting back towards uh, Mossy Oak and Game Keepers. Um, you know, what do you feel like kind of is on the horizon for you guys? I mean, for how far you've come, and and you know things have definitely seems like it risen in popularity and you know there's like you just said there's more of a desire for people wanting to know about you know learn about how to manage their land and how to how to do this thing the right way what do you feel like you know where do you guys go from here or what does the future hold for you guys yeah well so it's it's not about i mean talks should tell you it's not about him it's not about me it's i mean we're, we're everybody's working to position this brand so that the younger people coming along can be a part of it and continue shining a light on conservation issues that where there are problems and, and maybe we can help we've got this we just started this gamekeeper grants where we're helping turkey researchers right mm-hmm. now we're providing some money so they can buy gps units or the things that they what do you guys need well we need this and we can help them so we're selling a turkey stamp to try to raise those funds last year we raised over a hundred thousand dollars all of it went back to turkey research it's all great so uh, I, I, I want to say that our the horizon is just to do more of that, mm-hmm. uh, give back and continue to. There's a you know Mississippi State, Auburn. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that, that there's so many young people coming up in the wildlife world now that are interested in managing and doing things, mm-hmm. and um, I, I just I feel really good about the future, yeah. and I think our role in the future is to be is to be a company that can can just be there to help and shine that spotlight and. And 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 be a voice to help. Um, mm-hmm. You know, people can read our magazine. They can watch our television show. People don't watch television like they used to. <laughs> no. uh, they, you know, no, they don't. YouTube has, has come on. But I, I still think there is a segment of the population, and they're, I don't know, they're probably my age and older, but they still like to sit down and watch television. Mm-hmm. That's right. And and um, so so we're still we're anywhere we can com, com, can preach and try to tell people how to do things so uh, that's you know we've got a tv mm-hmm. show and we've got we got a little podcast as well and it that, that's a, a great way I to know, get little I, podcast. I know I love, I love that <laughs> a little podcast well, I mean, okay but it's just a great way to get the word out that's right you know i mean people these are great you can you're riding to work you're driving the tractor whatever mm-hmm. you can listen to it's talk radio but it's when you want to listen to that's it right. uh-huh. and when about what you want to listen to that's right mm-hmm. so. oh yeah uh I've listened to a ton of mowing the grass, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> just throw yeah. it on and kind of get get in the zone and cut the grass and get a little education in there too. Mm-hmm. Well, the, I think the best thing we got going for us is, is everybody in our little group is just real curious, mm-hmm. and everybody's uh, had their curiosity is just a little bit different. You know, mm-hmm. Dudley's into trees and native plants, and I'm into deer and 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 turkeys, and Lanny's into really into ducks and. And, and we've all been at various stages raising kids. And I've got a daughter that took to hunting like a duck to water. Now, she killed a nice deer this year, didn't she? Yeah, yeah. She she killed a couple. And yeah, she, she okay. has for I've, – I've, I've been keeping her out of Lamar County. <laughs> <laughs> but so I've got a, a, the – I think 
uh, and I, I, I'm very, I, I want to make sure I'm very humble about this. I'm not bragging, but I think I know, I think I know the, the what worked for me to introduce a girl yeah. to the outdoors and bring her all, mm-hmm. the, all the way up through it and where she, now she goes by herself. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, and so in Dudley's got some little boys, Lainey's got little boys. And so everybody's at different stages mm-hmm. and, and, and that's really where it kind of comes full circle is when you start taking them and you see them get excited mm-hmm. and they want to make it part of their lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Sure. Absolutely. So, yeah. Now I appreciate y'all having me on. I'm a fan of what you guys are doing and just love the subject matter. And I, and I don't want to be polarizing with any comments. So, you know, if you think about the guys down at the state, they're doing the best they can. I mean, oh, they yeah. got challenges, and, sure. uh, and we all have opinions. And I, I'm, I'm sure people get tired of hearing everybody's opinions, but it's because we love the wild. It is. Uh, yeah, that's, We're passionate. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah. And where you have passion, uh, the emotions will spill over. Yeah. Is, well, inevitably. <laughs> you know, Matt don't mind being polarizing. I don't. That's, I mean, if I'm fashion, I mean, honestly, if I'm convicted by something enough for me to be polarizing. I, I can't help but speak up on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't mean to be abrasive, but like if it bothers me that much, I've got to say something. And well, and, uh, and that we, I mean, that's hey, why it's the we, legend. Yeah, I mean, but we, even if we are polarizing, we're going to tell you what we think. Yeah, I mean, and I'll be cordial about it. I mean, I don't. Nah. I'm not a part of the <laughs> shut up. I'm not part of the cancel culture where if we disagree, I'm done with you. Yeah, you know that that's not mm-hmm. what I'm about. Yeah. Uh, we can agree to disagree on some things, but some things. Do you think Alabama things. will ever have like a velvet weekend? I hope not, <laughs> Bobby. I hope not. <laughs> yes, I think it. They'll they will eventually. They'll give in to pressure. They'll give in to the pressure, if especially if more um, bordering states continue. It was to a push success early. in Mississippi. Mm. I think they had about seven hundred bucks killed. Oh wow! And there were some really nice ones too. Yeah. Oh, I bet it's it's easy to kill deer early i'll say this easy i don't know that it's the best thing for the deer herd that that's my however yeah it would be incredible for that little bitty sliver of property i get to hunt in marshall county but see i i personally i don't give a flip about killing a deer in velvet that's just me Mm -hmm. i i just that's not my thing um i don't want to get out and fight mosquitoes and kill a deer when it's still got its summer coat y'all and I'm a killer. Like yeah. I, I love killing things, but it, I just it don't have anything to do with velvet. But if he can get to him first, he's gonna get to him. <laughs> he's just mad. He's jealous. Hey, look, I would be. I am too, man. I, I wish I could go out the back door and kill a 140. Uh, everybody like doesn't have that opportunity. I'm blessed. I really am. Absolutely. I understand. If if they opened up a velvet weekend. I would be banned from a lot of the properties well, that I hunt. Just, <laughs> I would. But how it would impact us, where we hunt, where you and I hunt, I think so many bucks would be killed. Mm-hmm. I, I think that it would eventually cause problems. <laughs> Ruin the rest of the season. <laughs> well, I don't think – I will say this. I I would in no way be in favor of maintaining the 10 days in February and oh, adding uh-uh. velvet Dude, days. Right. I, I, I couldn't ha- I couldn't handle that. I might implode. I might. <laughs> One or the other, but you can't have I'd, both. Yeah. I'd trade 10 for two. Yes. I would I, do that in a heartbeat. I would, I would trade heartbeat. those 10 days for two days early velvet. Yeah. I would. Yep. That would be a trade-off that I'd be willing to entertain. Well, now, and again, I'm assuming. Chuck, you listening? I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming that 
I mean, if there is a velvet season, that's going to be archery equipment only, correct? Or is that going to be rifles Not necessarily. Too? I mean, I don't know if the state of Alabama is thinking about anything like that, but other states have allowed either muzzleloader or, or rifle seasons. Really? Some no of them. Way. Some of them have. Like like modern rifle or, or well, straight? just single single shot. Okay, yeah, so I, straight wall cartridge. Yeah, a lot of a lot of these muzzleloader seasons are just single shot. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. rifles, rifles, just yeah, straight wall cartridge. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's that's what I mean. Which people like, will get around that too. Trust me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I had a buddy that hunted in Mississippi, and uh, when when they when y'all first did the straight wall cartridge over there, that's been quite a while ago. Thirty five caliber and up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But he had a guy uh, custom build a rifle based off of a three seventy five Shytac uh, parent <laughs> cartridge. He shoots seven eight hundred yards. Mm-hmm. With a straight wall cartridge. Wow. He got, he got kicked out of the club. <laughs> yeah, but he can legally hunt in Mississippi. Yeah, he can though, legally right? hunt in Mississippi. Yeah. That doesn't sound primitive at all. <laughs> there wasn't nothing about it primitive. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, those are your rules. Uh-huh. I'm just playing by them. Yeah, yeah. the the three or $4,000 range finder and custom-built rifle with target mm. turrets and all. Yeah. Mm. But, hey, he was playing by the rules. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's right. right. The Southern U Podcast is brought to you by First South Farm Credit. If you are looking to purchase land, it's highly likely that financing will be needed. The team at First South Farm Credit understands the ins and outs of the land buying process and can help you get the financing needed to secure your purchase. Whether you are looking for that dream cattle farm or that big piece of timber to chase deer and turkey on, First South Farm Credit can get it done. For more information, visit firstsouthfarmcredit.com. That's first, F-I-R-S-T, south, S-O-U-T-H, farm, F-A-R-M, credit, C-R-E-D-I-T dot com. That's right. Well, Bobby, I really appreciate you coming yeah. on. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, no, look, I'm glad to be a part, and thank you all for asking me. No, we, we really appreciate it, and yep. I know this is a huge weekend for you guys mm-hmm. and to take the time out of what's going on in that convention hall in there and to come spend time with us is a big deal. So yeah, appreciate what y'all do. I mean, mm-hmm. y'all, yeah. y'all support a lot of different different folks through the industry, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's awesome. Well, we, we appreciate that, yeah. We care very much about it. It's definitely uh, something, you know, loving wildlife is, and habitat is it's just that's the main driver. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I don't want to – I'm not going to get on here and preach, but if you go back to the very first job that man had, it was tending the garden. So I think we're to be good stewards yeah. of yeah. what God's given us. Good, so. way, good way to look at it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, work was always part of the plan. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everybody wants to blame that on Eve. Yeah. No. Like It was, it was always part of the deal, yeah. you know. Um, so. Name the animals and take care of them. That's right. I tell you what, though, the guy, there's an awful lot of satisfaction comes from, you know, like, like I'm going to do this, hoping that this happens. Mm-hmm. And then when you put in all that sweat equity and do mm-hmm. it, and then you see some the results that you were expecting or more, mm-hmm. it is super rewarding. It is That's more incredible. important to me yeah. than, than any animal to put on the wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I've got clients, look, they – they're professionals. That's why they can afford to pay us to do what we do. They love to see it. I mean, they're out there every few days looking, even though they're not 
taking part in the day-to-day work of a, a development project, but they are so excited to see what's done mm-hmm. in the last few days that they've been there and, and see it transform. And, uh, you know, there's to me, there's no difference in how we handle it and they handle it. Mm-hmm. They're just, you know, having to outsource their time because their time's valuable elsewhere. And honestly, like with a lot of these smaller landowners, I like to take the time to, like, mentor them. I want them mm-hmm. to be there when I burn. And that way – I can turn that over to them after a few burns. They can get their, yep. they can get certified. They show enough interest in it. They don't own a lot of property, so they they have time to fool with it. They may just be apprehensive, yeah, you know, or don't know quite what to do. And with those smaller landowners, I just like to, hey, look, I'm going to help you out, and this is going to be your baby. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to come back and help you burn every year indefinitely. Um, and that that is rewarding to me when a, a landowner jumps all in from that aspect yep. and and really wants to be a part of that there was a day last year in february where you could go on a website in the state of alabama and it would show where all the fires were oh yeah mm-hmm. and, and it was like looked like the whole state was on fire That's, yes <laughs> you can go to the forestry commission <laughs> and, website and yeah. you can look at the map and yeah. you can zoom in and see the acreages and exactly where they're at and so the whole i, I think it's caught on though that the, the burning because you know you growing up in union springs that that county bullet county got burned every year oh the, yeah the, 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 from the county quail, line to county line the, the, the quail <laughs> plantations there yeah and, i mean it was gorgeous yeah and but now you just you know and then well look when i on. when i started habitat first properties i envisioned a time when you know like right now when people see smoke they just panic they call 911 they call the fire department they report it and i'm like by the time i retire I want smoke to be so common Mm -hmm. that people expect to see it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's where I hope that we move to. I've talked to two or three guys here that that know what Matt and I do. And we were talking burning. And, and, you know, I was explaining to one of them, I said, look, if the ten guys that we know all left their jobs today and started burning – there would be more business than we could all do. Oh, in yeah. A year. I can't do it all, and he can't do it all. And I, I turn burn jobs down all the time. You only have so many burn days within nah, a burn I, season. Yeah. John Stiver says every day is a burn day. I, every day is a potential burn day. But what I'm saying <laughs> is it depends on what you're going to burn <laughs> up. Yeah. Every day is a potential burn day, but you don't always have the conditions that that you uh, need in order to burn. It. Right. So, yeah. um, you know, you just you can only burn so much in a year. We need more burn practitioners out there. Mm-hmm. We we need more people. We need more young people. Yeah, experienced on not not just hunting. We've got I think we've got as many or more young hunters now than we've had in a long time. Mm-hmm. But we need more hunters, uh, more young people taking interest in the woodsmanship and the learning to drive a tractor, learning to plant a food plot, planting trees. You know, going out and and doing the groundwork yeah uh, i mean we're, we're seeing that i mean even even now at the state agency level mm-hmm. to where so many people are hiring in and they don't have any of that experience right you were talking about you know we've got a, a good crop of graduates interested in research and things but i agree with that but what i see coming into the workforce with these state agencies and with with private consultants and um you know government agencies we're losing those hook and bullet 
type biologist. Mm-hmm. I've heard that too. Yeah. We're losing them. Like they're not even and, in. And the, we've got to figure out some way yeah. to manufacture some of those. Yes. Coming back in behind yes. the few of us that are left. And by hook and bullet, I don't necessarily mean that they have to hunt, but they're not on the ground applied biologists. They're not managing properties. And why are they not managing properties? Because they don't know how to operate equipment. They didn't grow up on farms. I mean, that, you, you're seeing less and less of that. Uh, and I think it's going to be very important to mm-hmm. the future of hunting to get those type of graduates out of these programs. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I still, I still think those type students are out there. I just don't I do know too. why they're not in those programs anymore. There, mm-hmm. There's a lot of thought that, you know, because the, the, the mom and pop and the family farm is a, a dying thing, and don't get me wrong, I sell them every day. They are. They're being split up mm-hmm. and, and sold off and developed. But – there are still a lot of young folks out there living in rural communities that don't really know that that's an option for mm-hmm. them. You know, the wildlife <clears throat> industry. Um, and, if, you know, I think if they were to know more about it, uh, you know, they'd pull some of those folks mm-hmm. in. For sure. Yeah, and the last thing I'll say before we get out of here is uh, this goes for us and certainly for, uh, for Mossy Oak and gamekeepers too, like, we're not trying to to hoard away any like secret sauce. Like you know, we're mm. trying our best to, to give it out. You know, and for and free, to, yeah, for free to <laughs> right. make it available and make it you know easily accessible so that you can get as you know as many resources as we can to to throw at you, so that you can make whatever decisions you feel like you need to make to manage mm-hmm. your property the best way you can. So, mm-hmm. and, and we're we're saying we're trying to provide that for free. Obviously, Matt and I, you know, charge as consultants. But there are a lot of folks out there that do what Matt and I do. A lot of them are really great. Some of them maybe not. I don't know all of them. But once you get to the level that you think you're capable of carrying it, reach out to some of these folks. Mm-hmm. It's not something that's going to break the bank. Uh, we had a guy call us wanting to come out and do one, and he said, man, I can't do that right now, but hey, I'm going to save up for, for a month, and then I'll get you all out there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's there's plenty of guys out there that's going to work with you uh, mm-hmm. to, to get you over the hump. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a big difference in a – you know, there's always a know-it-all in a hunting club. Mm-hmm. There's a big difference in a know-it-all and somebody that went to school mm-hmm. and has been trained and taught and all that. There, you, you, I think you get your money's worth out of somebody when you mm-hmm. have somebody come to your property mm-hmm. and like what you're talking – like I know I spent a little time with Matt. Mm-hmm. Um and was amazed at just the stuff he's just pointing out, looking at. I mean, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. It really is. Very much enjoyed a 20-minute walk in the woods with him. Awesome. Yeah. Well, guys, that's going to wrap it up for us. Um, thank you again for listening, and we encourage you to uh, like, subscribe, share, send carrier pigeon, whatever you got to do to get the word <laughs> out there that we're that we're doing this thing. And uh, tell your friends, uh, we certainly do appreciate it, and we certainly appreciate you, Bobby, for no, uh, for hanging y'all. out with us. Mm-hmm. And uh, whenever you guys get a chance to hear this, um, let us know how we did. You know, we, we're we're big boys. If you don't like it, you can tell us that too. We're we're always game for some words of encouragement and let us know that you liked it. So absolutely, <laughs> certainly appreciate it. But we will see you guys on the next one. Thanks so much. See um, y'all.